Thanks, Adam. Thanks, team, for uh, leading us through our time together tonight. It's been uh, really good to just use those songs to reflect on, uh, on our uh, wonderful God. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I just want to ask now that as, uh, um, as already been prayed with Grant, Lord, that yeah, you'd be our teacher, that we would have ears and eyes, hearts, minds that are open to uh, what you might say to us, especially, Lord, challenge us with regards to how we are to uh, live in uh, community with, uh, with other believers in Christ, whether they be of this church or others. Uh, may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be wholly acceptable to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I did have a, uh, got a PowerPoint prepared tonight. There are notes for the uh, message tonight. If you um, haven't got any, there uh, someone like to grab them from the um, foyer out there. There's, if anyone would like them, it's up to uh, you. Just stick your hand up. David's just going out there now to, uh, to grab some of those. You can follow along in the notes as we go through our, uh, our slides tonight. Um, don't you just love technology? That was actually supposed to have a music file, actually sort of an audio file that was supposed to play tonight. As you can see, the little speaker thing in the middle there, but true to, uh, yeah, true to form, it's not going to work. Does anyone know that can hum the uh, music to for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, um, TV series? No, no one can hum that? Oh, well, we'll have to, we'll have to miss out tonight then. All right, because that was what was going to be. That was going to be the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sort of theme song as that uh, slide was, play, was uh, up there. Never mind. Anyone here, uh, um, Marvel, you know, Marvel fans? Yeah, a few of you? Okay, excellent. Well, for those of you who are Marvel fans, you might remember the Captain America film, the first one, where Steve Rogers learns that his best mate Bucky Barnes and his particular regiment of soldiers have been captured and he seeks permission from the colonel to go and rescue them, which the colonel says, no way in the world, you know, I'm not going to risk this person who's sort of, you know, symbolic of all the good things about America and that sort of stuff, you know, risk his neck to go and save these guys and get captured. But so he ignores completely what the colonel says and with uh, Agent Peggy Carter and, uh, and Howard Stark, Iron Man's dad, he launches on this, new res- on this rescue campaign to bring them back safely. And there he is there. You see, their welfare was so important to, uh, to Captain America that he put aside thoughts of his own well-being in order to secure theirs. You know, for what's it, truth, justice and the American way? Now that's Superman, isn't it? Yes, that's right. All right. There you go. But there, there it is, Captain America, you know, he, he goes in there and he plays the hero and that sort of stuff and he brings these guys back safely. As I said, he puts aside thoughts of his own well-being in order to, uh, to put the, uh, the needs of others before his own. And in a sense, this is what Romans 14 is all about tonight. It's, it's about showing respect and concern and care and love and compassion for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The church in Rome, which is the, the church that Paul's writing to here in this letter, was a, a church, it was a body of believers made up of, of, of people from all kinds of different backgrounds, from racial or ethnic backgrounds, from, from cultural kind of backgrounds and things like that. And they, they came together in the church there in Rome in this melting pot of, of people. And because they had all of these different backgrounds and had come to faith from different kind of, you know, other, from other uh, belief systems and things like that, they came in, but they'd already had sort of rooted in them, if you like, these, these habits of their own kind of belief systems and things like that. And uh, as they sought to, uh, to follow Christ, some of these things sort of crept into that. And uh, some of them were very much, um, you know, right against the, the word of God. And they think those things needed to be challenged. But there were some which, you know, the word of God really didn't sort of have to, you know, much to say about. But uh, what was happening is that, you know, there was this, this spirit of judgmentalism that, that was creeping into the church and, and people were judging others on their, you know, on their practices and things like that. 
And so the Apostle Paul in this chapter, he seeks to sort of address this, this issue of uh, this judgmental attitude. And what he wants to do is he wants to sort of really point the, uh, the Roman believers to, uh, to the proper mindset and behaviour of brothers and sisters, people who are fitting for the people of God. I'm sorry, behaviour fitting for the people of God. Of course, you know, when we look around today, it's, it's really not much different to us, you know, for us today in, in, in churches. We've got people who come into church from all kinds of backgrounds and that sort of thing and all kinds of, you know, um, particular denominational kind of backgrounds and things like that. Our own church here have got people from, you know, from Brethren backgrounds and Presbyterian backgrounds and Salvation Army, Uniting Church and all that sort of thing. And unfortunately what happens is that we can sometimes criticise and judge our fellow believers who don't kind of practice the faith the same way we do. You know, they, uh, they sort of perhaps, you know, perhaps practice their faith a little bit differently to us. You know, they do and say things a little bit differently to us. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, how should we treat fellow Christians, fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord who do this? Well, the passage this, this evening points out three things. And the first is this, is that we are to accept each other. We see that in verse 1 of our passage tonight. Paul says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him or accept him but not to quarrel over opinions. Paul begins by giving this command that the mature believer is to accept the believer who is perhaps weaker in the faith without getting into arguments over the things that they disagree upon. The weaker brother that Paul's referring to here is the the Christian that is perhaps still a little bit immature in their faith, in their understanding of the faith. Yes, they're followers of Jesus Christ, Yes, they have a love for God and they've responded to the gospel, perhaps, but perhaps they haven't fully grasped the, uh, the wonderful implications of, of what their relationship with Christ means for daily living. They haven't really grasped the, the, uh, the freedom that they have in Jesus Christ. Now, generally speaking, maturity of faith comes from, uh, from with, with time and experience, doesn't it? But that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Because with some people who have been Christians for many years, they can still be quite weak and immature in their faith. Whereas others who may not have been Christians for a long time can have a more developed and mature faith. It's interesting, you know, as you uh, sort of perhaps spend a bit of time in churches, you can see that there are some Christians who get hung up on a number of different issues that perhaps some mature believers don't. The example of, that Paul gives here tonight, or two examples that Paul gives here, have to do with this eating of meat and of the, this observance of special days. We see that in verses 2 to 6 of our passage. I think these matters actually fall into the category of the non-essentials of the faith. Secondary matters, if you like. Things which are not foundational or essential to the gospel. Now, things which don't have any kind of bearing or impact on the, uh, the things that those central doctrines of the faith. I mean, when we think about some of those essential doctrines, what, what, what are they? This is a bit of a chance for uh, audience participation tonight, all right? What do you think are some of the foundational, the primary principles of the Christian faith that we, that we mustn't compromise on? There is only one God. There's only one God, yep. Sorry? Our sin, yeah, that's right, yes. Yep, that's right. We're all sinners. The doctrine of original sin. That's exactly it, yep. Saved by faith. Saved by faith alone in Christ alone, yep. Think of any others? 
Jesus' sacrifice, that's right, yes, that Jesus is the only way to be reconciled to God. The Bible's the authoritative, inerrant word of God. Yeah, definitely. So those are the sort of, they're the primary kind of foundational doctrines of the faith which we must never compromise on. But there are other secondary kind of issues that, uh, that we, uh, you know, that the Bible might not speak directly to. And so we've got to kind of just, you know, sort of try to be as, as open to the leading of the Holy Spirit as we can in that and, and allow God to sort of really sort of help us to understand these things and how we should treat one another in that. One of these particular issues was this matter of, of eating meat. And we see that in verses 2 to 3 of our passage tonight. Paul says, One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. See, in Paul's day, it was common for, uh, for meat that, uh, to be sold in the marketplace, and that meat had actually been, had been used as a kind of a sacrifice to idols. And so some saw that eating this meat meant that they were themselves participating in this practice, you know, sort of like secondhand, if you like. And so they ate only vegetables. They, they, didn't, they didn't touch that, uh, that meat. Yet there were some believers who understood that, you know, idols are these false gods. They're really nothing. You know, they're, they're, they're really, they really don't exist. And so for them, they, uh, in their acceptance before God had nothing to do with what they ate, but what you know, Christ had done for them on the cross that they had already been reconciled to God through Christ. And so, you know, they, they ate what they liked. It was based purely on their faith in Christ. Eating meat for them wasn't, a, wasn't an issue. The trouble was, though, is what we see in this passage is that the weaker brother accuses the, the more mature Christian, or the person who eats meat, the one who doesn't eat meat, criticises the one who does eat meat for, as, you know, as being sinners. You know, you're participating in this, this awful, you know, this awful kind of, uh, you know, um, eating of, of, of this meat which has been sacrificed to idols. How could you do that? How, that's such a sinful thing to do. And the, the people who ate the meat were looking down on those who didn't eat meat with this kind of despised attitude and saying, you know, your faith is, you know, it just doesn't measure up to mine. I'm so much better than you. I'm much more further, you know, much more mature in my faith than you are. really sad because you know the uh, sort of just viewing their faith as being inferior not only was it to do with with meat though and, veg- and eating meat or vegetables but it was also had to do with with specific days that people observed as special days we see that in verses five and six one person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days alike each one should be fully convinced in his own mind See, people were viewing some days as, you know, particularly if people had come, in from, come into the faith from a Jewish background, they would see the Sabbath as still being holy and treated as such. Maybe some of the feast days, people were coming in from different kind of belief systems, you know, still observe some of their feast days and things like that. Again, it was causing division and quarrelling amongst the people of God. One of the things we need to understand here as we look at this passage is that both parties... Both groups of people are practicing their understanding of the faith with all integrity, with a real integrity of heart. Each was doing it in honour of God, wanting to be faithful to God and to please him. Look at verse 6. It says, The one who observes the day observes it in honour of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honour of the Lord. 
since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honour of the Lord and gives thanks to him. You see that the people who were practising these things but had a genuine love for, the God, for God, but just wanting to live their lives to please God in, 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 a, in a way which they thought was the best way to live for him. Their hearts were truly sincere in how they were living out their love and faith for God, even though they had different understandings of how to go about it. So Paul says, you know what? He says, you need to learn to accept each other, guys. You need to learn to accept each other. And that word accept means to embrace. To embrace, to welcome, to receive them with true love and warmth of fellowship. And it's interesting that that word accept there is the same word that speaks of how God accepts us in Jesus Christ. That's the way we are to accept our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're to accept one another. The second thing is we're not to judge one another. We see that in verses 3 and 13. You ready with that video there, Matt? You can just want to play that for me. That would be really good. one of the judges on that show, would you have pushed the buzzer? Because it looked like all she was doing was just painting that picture of one of the judges on the panel, didn't it? And you thought, well, that's pretty boring. And I think, you know, it just sort of showed that they were a little bit too quick to judge that lady, weren't they? Because, of course, when, you know, at the end of it, she turns it around, blows the dust on it, and bang, there's this completely different picture that's there. And what that kind of video reminds me is that we can be, we can be too quick to judge others, can't we? You know, we can be too quick to just quickly look at the actions, look at the outside without actually looking what's going on on the inside, you know. And, uh, and, and, and Paul says, you know what, we've got to learn as brothers and sisters not to, quickly, not to too quickly judge our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, when others don't have the same practices and beliefs as we do, the natural thing for us is to, is to judge them, isn't it? 
But Paul asks a very a couple of really pointed questions here in this passage. He says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? You see that in verse 4? Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? And then in verse 10, he says, why do you pass judgment or despise or look down upon your brother? Paul asks these questions because he wants his, understand, his readers to understand that, you know what, if God has welcomed the brother, this brother in Christ, then how on earth can we reject them? If this is someone whom God has already accepted in Christ, how then do we, or what right do we have then to, to reject them and to criticise them? Verse 10 and 12 says it's God's job to judge. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. It is God's God's job to judge, not ours. So let's God let God deal with people in his own time. Allow him to do his work in their hearts and in their lives, revealing them and showing them the truth. Yes, our job is that we need to believe, we just need to do what we believe is right before God. We need to be fully convinced in our own hearts and minds about how we should live in a way which honours God. It says in verse 5, it says that, uh, that one person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. In verse 14, Paul says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Paul had come to that settled position in his heart. Verse 22 says that the faith that you have keep between yourself and God. It is a relationship with God first and foremost. So yes, we need to consider the scriptures. We need to consider you know, the various views and things on, uh, on these matters. And we need to come to our own settled conclusion about this. Remembering, though, that it is, these are the matters that are not specifically clear, that are not, not prescriptive in the Bible, okay? That they're not prescriptive commands in the Bible. These are the things that are a little bit ambiguous. We're not really sure about. The Bible doesn't speak exactly to that point. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul makes reference to, uh, to, to living for the Lord several times in this passage, particularly in verses 6, 7 and 8. He says, The one who observes the day observes it in honour of the Lord. The one who eats, eats it in honour of the Lord. He who, absta- he, who, he who abstains, abstains in honour of the Lord. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Paul is saying here is that if we're truly surrendered to Jesus Christ, if we're truly surrendered to his lordship over our lives, then we can have the freedom to make up our own minds in the area where the Bible may not be absolutely specific. For instance, I'll give you, let's give, let me give you a few examples tonight. What about what movies are appropriate to watch? Does the Bible say what movies we should watch? Does it say, yes, you can go and watch Captain America, but no, you can't go and watch you know something else? It does, it's not prescriptive about that, is it? But what the Bible does say in, the, in the, um, our deep group this afternoon, it says, you know, whatever is honourable, whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is good, all those sorts of things, think about those kind of things. Think about what you're filling your mind with. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? So if we go along and see a movie, we've got to be careful. with is, is this the kind of movie that I want to fill my mind with? 
Is this the kind of thing that's actually going to bring honour to God or not? It's the same with, you know, what music we listen to, which political party we should vote for, you know, whether or not we should go to the shops on a Sunday or not. Should I drink alcohol? Should I get a tattoo? How should I raise my children? Public school, private school, home school? The Bible doesn't say specifically about these things. And yet we make judgments on people, don't we? And we make judgments based on faith matters in light of the, many of these things. What about worship style? What kind of music we use in church? What about the kind of you know, Bible translation we use? You know, they can go on and on and on and on about a lot of these issues. What we need to do is recognise that, you know, when people will make their own choices and, and sometimes people make those choices with their hearts very, very sincere before God, what right then have we got to judge them on that? That's what Paul is saying here in this passage. So instead of judging one another, he says in verse, verse 13 to 15, and 15, build up rather than destroy. Build up rather than destroy. See, Paul is saying that, you know, in practicing our beliefs out of reverence for God, we need to consider our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and how our behaviour will impact on them. We need to act with humility and with love towards one another. It's interesting, I think verse 19 particularly is the key verse in this whole passage. For Paul writes, who he says, that so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. That's the key verse in this whole passage of chapter 14, verse 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Well, how do we do that? Well, Paul gives the answer in this passage. First of all, we're not to be a stumbling block to our fellows and brothers, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 13. He says, you know, therefore let us not pass judgment on, any, on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. If we know that our actions are going to offend a brother and sister in Christ, then we need to refrain from doing them in their presence. If by our actions we're going to cause a fellow brother and sister to, to go against their conscience and to do something that they consider to be unfaithful to God, just to earn our acceptance and approval, just to fit in with everyone else, then we're doing them a damage. In fact, the Bible says here, Paul says, you're destroying them. That's the kind of impact that you're having on them. So we're not to put a stumbling block in, 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 you know, before our brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, you know, if, you, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Secondly, he says, we need to remember that the kingdom of God is more than external practice. It's actually more about righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We see that in verse 17 tonight. Again, we need to recognise that we've got to make a differentiation here. We need to differentiate between what really is important and what is unimportant. What are primary issues and what are secondary issues in, in living out our faith? And as we practise this kind of humility and this kind of love that Paul talks about, we will indeed please God and it says that we'll also be an attractive witness to those around about us in verse 18. Whoever thus serves Christ... In this way, in this manner, that is with righteousness, peace and joy, whoever serves Christ thus is acceptable to God and approved by men. 
It's interesting to note as we go through this passage, the emphasis of responsibility in this passage actually falls on the more mature believer. For those who have a deeper understanding of their freedom in Christ, they are the ones who the onus falls on in order to look out for their weaker brother and sister in the Lord. Because it's easier for them to change their practices than it is for the weaker brother or sister. They can partake of food or they can abstain. They can observe a special day or they can treat it as not a specific special day. The onus is always on the, weak, the, the, the more mature, the stronger person. As we go through this passage, we need to realise that you know, when it comes down to it, each and every one of us, each and every believer in Christ, we must make a, uh, we just need to make a, 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 con- a, a conscious decision, if you like, of, of the things that we're going to do for God which we believe are going to please him. We need to listen to our conscience when it comes to a matter of faith and not to go against our conscience. That's what Paul says in this passage at the end here. He says, you know, when it comes to these, these secondary matters, these, these matters that, that the Bible doesn't speak directly to, then we've just got to come to a settled position in our own minds and in our own hearts before God and say, God, I'm going to live this way because I believe it honours you the most. And then not go against that unless God says to you, you know, points out a different way. Because if you go against it to, to earn the approval of, of, of other believers and that sort of thing, then really what you're doing is you're actually seeking the approval of men rather than the approval of God, and that's, what, and that's sin. And that's what Paul says here in verse 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. That's what Paul is saying. So there are a few things that we need to keep in mind here as we close. All right, The first is this. As we consider this whole issue of, of judging others and that sort of thing, God blesses people who I disagree with. Really? He does. God blesses people who I disagree with. We need to remember that. We also need to remember that we, that to distinguish between what's primary and what's secondary. What's really important and what's not really, you know, not, not so important. We need to make up our own mind about these matters, as I said, these secondary matters, and allow others to do the same before God, openly and honestly. Fourthly, we can trust God to judge and convince. Allow God to do his work in people's hearts. You know, we're not all at the same place on our journey with God and our faith journeys. We're all maturing at different, different levels and different stages and we're all at different, you know, different, God's going to take us through all sorts of different experiences in our lives. We're not all at the same place. We're not all going to be alike and God is doing that work in people's hearts and people's lives and we need to trust God to do that. Not to think that we know better than God and say, you know, come on, hurry up and get up here with me. It might actually be that we've actually got to hurry up and get up there with them. Yeah. Refuse to criticise those who see things differently. Focus on things that unite rather than things which divide. And lastly, live in such a way that exhibits love and grace and humility. That's what it's all about, folks. When it comes to living our lives for God, 
when it comes, you know, when we come together as brothers and sisters in the Lord here in this place particularly, but as we mix with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ around the place from other denominations and things like that, you know what, if we, if we agree on the primary stuff, then the other stuff is of little consequence. You know, the, the, the world, as they look at the church, they see the church bickering and fighting and carrying on with one another and think, what's the point? It's interesting, as you go and read one of Jesus' very last prayers before he goes to heaven, before he dies on the cross and ascends back into one of his last prayers is this incredible prayer in John 17 where he prays for unity, the unity of believers. And as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to remember that we have got a unity that Christ has attained for us, but an incredible cost. And as Paul writes, we had to maintain that unity through the, through the bond, you know, maintain that unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. Don't try to focus on the things which some others might disagree with you on these, on these silly matters, but let's look to instead love one another not be a stumbling block to each other, not judge one another, but accept each other and build one another up. Pursue that which makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us tonight. Again, just a challenging word that reminds us, Lord, as we live in community with fellow believers that you know, you've called us to, uh, to, to demonstrate that, uh, that unity of Christ in our relationships. You've called us to demonstrate that love and humility and, uh, and compassion and mercy towards one another. And yes, we do need to stand firm on the, the, the primary um, essentials of, of the faith, Lord, some of the things we've discussed tonight. But, but where it comes to these, these secondary matters, Lord, we need to just, yeah, just, uh, let them, let them, just let them go. And instead, Lord, seek to, uh, to truly love one another in Christ, to seek to be your people, and what a great witness we can be as we live like that before the world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.